Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Season 9, Episode 11, and I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today we're talking with Jenna Helwig, who is a very um, prolific and acclaimed writer who's written several cookbooks. She's also the um, food director at Real Simple and has worked with many other magazines that you're probably familiar with. She has a company called Rosaberry, which is a culinary service devoted to helping New York families eat better through culinary instruction and personal chef service. Her books are many, and she's written quite a few about baby food, which she'll be talking about. Her most recent cookbook is Bare Minimum Dinners, which was released in September 2021, which is aimed primarily at people like me, who are um, people that do all the cooking for the family and are trying to keep them fed during busy times. I really enjoyed getting a chance to talk with Jenna, and I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So I'm going to take you right to it. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm very happy to have on the podcast today, Jenna Helwig, who is the food director of Real Simple Magazine and the author of several books, not the least of which is their latest book, Bare Minimum Dinners. She also has a company, Rosaberry, that we'll be talking about as well. Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, I like to ask all my um, guests who um, like to do food writing and are, um, you know, write cookbooks. Did you have any influences growing up? Anybody that kind of directed you who was like a food mentor? No, <laughs> which I think <laughs> is actually, I it's something I think about a lot, to be honest. You know, I grew up in a household where we ate dinner together every night, but neither of my parents were really cooks. You know, my mom came from that kind of convenience food background and, you know, a special dish was one where she opened a can of cream, cream of mushroom soup to make a fancy yeah. casserole for company. Um, so it, I really didn't grow up cooking a lot or like thinking about good food and, um, you know, it wasn't really until I was in my 20s and I met my uh, current mother-in-law, I think that things started to spark for me. Um, my husband's parents immigrated from Italy before they, right after they got married. Um, they live in Montreal now and going to her house and eating just like this wonderful Italian food really helped open my eyes, I think, to kind of how food could bring people together and just the magic of really sort of, um, you know, fresh ingredients, simple things. It really kind of changed the way I saw my everyday eating. So I wanted to ask you, you have a culinary arts degree. Talk to us about this and how you decided that food would be in your future. Yes. So as I was mentioning, it took me a while to get to food. And um, in my 20s, I was in the TV business. You know, I went to university and graduated with a degree in radio and television. And um, I was really excited about that. I worked at a company. We developed documentaries and nonfiction shows for like History Channel and Animal Planet, um, mm. it, which was great. <laughs> but, you know, as I started cooking more and just caring more about food. I was like, I want to know everything about food. And going to culinary school really felt like something I would regret if I didn't do. So I finally kind of bit the bullet and did that. I had a one-year-old. I went to culinary school at night and I kept my day job. It was a very busy nine months, but I'm so grateful that I did it. So that leads to my uh, question. In 2013, you were the editor of Parents Magazine. Talk yes. to us. Mm -hmm. 
about that and because uh, it's a very well-known magazine and I think a, a lot of people would be uh, interested in finding out about how that was. So after I finished culinary school, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with this knowledge and degree. You know, I always liked writing a lot. So this is also, I know we're going to talk about my company, Rosaberry, but it was also in this period that I started Rosaberry. I started doing freelance writing and you know how it is with these kinds of things. It's like you meet one person, they introduce you to someone else. So through kind of a long chain of events, I started developing recipes for Parents Magazine and doing some writing for them. Um, and after a couple of years, the editor that I was working with, the food editor, she left and I got the job. Um, I had never worked at a magazine before and I knew it was something that I would really love. I had a seven-year-old at the time. Um, and Parents Magazine just felt like such a good fit. It was an incredible group of editors. The food was fun. We used great photographers. It was really a terrific, terrific experience. And I ended up working there for seven years. Now, you've worked for many publications. You're a very prolific uh, food writer, writer in general. You've worked for Health Magazine, Kiwi, Yummy Delicious, and more. What has this period been like for you to, to see your writing become, you know, basically show up everywhere? Well, I have to say when I got those first bylines, you know, back in those freelance days, it was pretty exciting. Like one that you mentioned there, Yummy Delicious. I don't even know if that still exists. That was a blog from New York Family Magazine. I didn't get paid anything, but I was like, I don't care. You know, you got to just get yourself out there and get your name out there. And so um, it really, and then seeing my name in print in parents for the first time, I don't know, it was pretty pretty exciting. And I have to say, so at Real Simple now, I usually have, it depends on the issue, but usually there's at least one or two bylines in every issue. And, and I still like it. <laughs> I still get a little thrill. Now you've also been on television. You've been on shows such as the Today Show and you've done videos for Parents Magazine. How did it feel to be someone who was people like many times we know writers, we know their names. We don't really can't put a face to the name. But in this case, people could put a face to the name. How did that feel for you to kind of be to kind of be in the public exposure like that? Well, I will say the first time I did parents, the only word to describe or excuse me, did the Today Show. Let me do that. So the first time I was on the Today Show, I was the food editor at Parents. And the only the best word to describe that experience was terrifying. I was, <laughs> I was so scared. I was so scared. I mean, I knew I was going to be on for a couple of weeks beforehand. And I was practicing and practicing and what am I going to say? And, and, you know, thankfully, once I get in front of the camera, then I can just, and I've practiced, I can just kind of do it. You know, I, I did theater in high school and I think that maybe that somehow helped me just be able to perform like that, but it was, very nerve wracking. Um, and I've done it, you know, several times since, and it has gotten a little bit easier, but I still get those big butterflies <laughs> ahead of time. You know, the videos that we do in house, whether for parents or I've done a few for real simple, that's much easier just because it's not live. I think it's the live aspect of TV that yeah. is a little frightening, <laughs> yeah. but, and, you know, I feel like for me, I'm not someone that people like recognize in the grocery store or anything like that. So um, 
you know, I will say my parents were incredibly proud to have seen me on the Today Show. That meant a lot to them. And so that made me very happy. So we mentioned briefly uh, your company, Rosaberry, and I really was interested in it looking at the website. Can you tell our listeners who are not familiar with it a little bit about it and what you do with that company? Yes. Okay. So Rosaberry is a company that I started after I finished culinary school. Um, and as I mentioned, I was kind of like, what am I going to do? I was doing a little freelance writing, but I also wanted to just, you know, work more in food. And I had probably a toddler at that time. And I was like making baby food and toddler food and, and family food. And I thought, you know, there are a lot of moms probably in New York City that would like to learn how to do this. Um, and so I started teaching private classes, mostly to moms, some nannies, you know, babysitters. Um, and it really started focused on like food for kids um, and food for families. And then that kind of evolved to really be doing personal chef work. So I did that for many years. I was a personal chef, worked with several families. I'd come in once a week and cook meals for them for the week, put them in the fridge. And then as things progressed, you know, I started working at parents and didn't have time to keep all my clients. So then I started bringing other chefs on board Rosaberry and, you know, they would work with clients, but it would all kind of flow through the company. And so we're at the point now where I actually don't cook for any clients anymore. I don't have time now that I'm at Real Simple, but I still yeah. have a few chefs that work with me and I still work with clients and help plan menus. And so it's, it's not a big part of my day-to-day -day anymore, but I'm so grateful that I still get to, you know, keep my hands in there. It's always fun to meet new people and chefs. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org. We talked just uh, um, briefly about just now about uh, making baby food. And I want to talk about that because many of your books have been on making baby food. And it's something that I've talked recently with many of our guests about. Uh, one of our cooks, is she's, she was saying that, you know, why would I go buy this baby food that oftentimes they find disgusting when I could just make my own and based on food we're already cooking anyway? And I thought that was brilliant because I think oftentimes as parents, we never think of that. We just, we, we figure like, we got to buy the baby food. We got to buy the formula. It's, it's what we have to do. You know, we never really think about it. Whereas, you know, I remember my son, when he was small, we gave him some food that we were eating. I think mashed potatoes or something of that nature. And he loved it. He was like thriving on it. And it really makes you think like we don't often really think about baby food very often. So where did you, um, how did that begin for you? Because you've written uh, Real Baby Food, Easy, All Natural Recipes for Your Baby and Toddler. And you also wrote um, Baby Led Feeding, and uh, which was the, the second one. And then there was Multi-Cooker Baby Food Cookbook as well the year after. Can we talk about that and how you kind of became the guru of baby food? Yes, absolutely. So I was one of those parents when my baby was starting solid foods around six months that I was grossed out by the baby food in the stores. Um, it just yeah. like, I just didn't, uh, I still think about it like the green beans. Uh. So I, this was really when I was just starting cooking in general, 
right? It was before I went to culinary school. I was really getting into the kitchen. And so I started making all of that food and I really just never stopped, you know, then I continued and brought my baby into family meals, like you're talking about as early as possible. So I think that I want to be clear that I have no judgment for people who buy baby food. Some people don't have time to make baby food and they don't want to, or it just isn't, is important to them. And that is totally okay. Your baby is going to be perfectly healthy and happy. Uh, You know, this is something that if you want to do it, I think it's a great alternative. Um, And it also, you know, the way I thought about baby food has changed over the years. Also, I think as the trends have changed in this country, you know, when I was feeding my baby, we made purees. It was like, let me steam the carrots and maybe add some cinnamon and mash them up. Um, And I think that's how some people still do it, which is great. But there's been this big trend that's really strong called baby-led weaning. Um, And that's what my second book, Baby-Led Feeding, is all about. And it's really what you were talking about is you don't have to make separate food for your baby. It's how to make the food that everyone else is eating at the table you know, safe in terms of like choking and healthy, not too much salt. And so that book, Baby Led Feeding, is the one that I think that has really kind of taken off. That's the book that people know me best from. And um, it has been so fun. I still, you know, talk to parents. I have an Instagram account that's mostly devoted to baby food, um, aside from my regular Instagram account. And it's really, you know, great. I feel very privileged to have helped so many parents, you know, navigate this period that can be a little bit tricky. The next thing I want to talk to you about is very near and dear to my heart. So your second book was Smoothie-licious, Power Pack Smoothies and Juices the Whole Family Will Love. So I'm like many people. I think every year around uh, New Year's Eve, people get a smoothie maker, like some kind of like the the Ninja or one of the different kinds of ones that are out there or a nice blender, and they'll start making smoothies. And they'll realize one thing. They really, really are awful at it. (laughs) And I I, I don't know. I'll make a couple smoothies and I'll try them. And I'm going, this is not very good. I'm awful at this. Why bother? (laughs) It'll then get dusty and not be used again. So what what inspired you to write um, Smoothielicious? Uh, How how did you kind of get the idea to write this cookbook? That's so funny. We're almost to that point now. (laughs) Like we got to get back into our smoothies. Um, Yeah. So I've always loved smoothies um, and, you know, I would kind of play around with them and try different ingredients. And, you know, it was when I was working at Parents and I actually started talking with um, a cookbook agent that I had known for a long time. And, and um, she said, well, you know, what do you think? Do you have any ideas? And we talked about smoothies and I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to write this book. And so then just a little behind the scenes. So we actually went to publishers and sold Smoothielicious, but it became a two book deal with Real Baby Food. Um, So I actually, Real Baby Food came out just a few months before Smoothielicious. I was kind of writing both of them at the same time, which was a very uh, hectic period. And I totally overdosed my family on smoothies. I, it took years for my kid to like go back and want to drink a smoothie. Um, but, but I, and maybe I took a year break, but I'm back. I'm back. Um, I will say it was not easy to come up with 75 different smoothie and juice recipes. That was a challenge, but, um, 
it was really fun. You know, I think what helped me was really breaking down the different components in a smoothie. Like, you know, you need a liquid, you need something, or at least I do, that will make it creamy, like a frozen banana or avocado or yogurt. So thinking about what those could be, how could you add a vegetable, seeds, they're really an almost endless number of things you could put into a smoothie. You are the current food director of Real Simple Magazine. And that's a magazine that my wife and I both, I mean, we don't, my wife and I both get several magazines, but we don't always love each magazine together equally. Like I think outside of the New Yorker and a few others, I have my magazine, she has hers. Real Simple is one of the few that we can both love equally. And we both will actually sit side by side and look at. And I used to say that the Christmas issue this year is just fantastic, especially the food portion of it. Do you want to talk about being the food director of Real Simple and what it's been like for you? Oh, yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. Um, we work really hard on that magazine. You know, they're all the editors and writers and photographers and creative people. Like it's just like everyone works really hard. So it's so lovely to hear that people appreciate it and enjoy it. Um, so I started at Real Simple in December, 2019, just a few months before we all went home um, for a couple of years. And I was very happy to have had some time in the office with my new colleagues before we all went to have Zoom meetings. Um, it is a really great place to work. You know, I loved working at Parents. I was also the food director at Health for a while, which was really fascinating. And I'm very interested in nutrition. Um, but Real Simple just feels like kind of the perfect place for me in terms of the actual food. You know, I look back over my career from the cookbooks, the culinary classes, and, and also at parents, like my big driver is to help make food and cooking easier for people. Less stress, less pressure, doesn't have to be perfect, you know, just do the best you can. You can make something delicious. It doesn't have to take all day. So I'm really trying to make food accessible. Um, and I, Real Simple feels like just the perfect vehicle for that. You know, that's what it's known for. It's, it's elevated, it's delicious, but not fussy. Like I just never want anything to be fussy. So that this, you know, feels like such a fun kind of playground to explore those types of recipes. Your latest cookbook is Bare Minimum Dinners, which was released um, in September of 2021. Can we, you talk to us about this uh, book and the inspiration you had for writing it? And also, I want to ask you what it was like to have this book come out during the pandemic, which has affected so many cookbook writers. Yes. So the inspiration behind this book is one of my very good friends um, who was really struggling with dinner on a regular basis. She had two young daughters and she always felt like she had to kind of go all out for dinner every night. Like if she was making tacos, she also had to do the homemade guacamole and homemade salsa and let's have some beans. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like dinner does not need to be this complicated. And in fact, you know, both with her and my other friends and even myself, who is a professional, professional cook, I've realized that if it is too complicated, I'm not going to do it. Like if it's a Wednesday night and I'm getting home from work and I have this elaborate, not even elaborate, but something that's going to take an hour planned, I'm going to like call for pizza, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that is just <laughs> yeah. real life. Yep. So 
I really, for myself, for my friends, you know, for my colleagues, I just wanted to come up with a collection of recipes that was still going to be really, really good, but not, but not have any extra little, you know, frou-frou. Again, it was that no fussiness, like no fussiness allowed. It's okay to leave out the garnish. You don't have to garnish. You, I love some supermarket shortcuts. Like here's some great supermarket shortcuts. Um, so that was really the inspiration behind it. And I have to say, I still really cook from that cookbook. When I know that I'm going to have a busy week, the, you know, the weekend before I'm like, all right, what three recipes can I make from bare minimum dinners this week? And it's kind of been a lifesaver for me too. It's just like a nice collection to have. Um, and in terms of releasing it during the pandemic, Huh. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did, I guess I did what everyone else did. You know, I had zoom get togethers and, yeah. um, you know, it became a lot more about social media and less about, um, in-person things. And, you know, I feel like now as we are hopefully slowly coming out of this thing, I see a lot of cookbook authors still really doing those. And I yeah. actually feel like that's great for accessibility. You know, when there's a cookbook author I love, but who's having an event in, you know, San Francisco or Chicago, if I can still join in on Zoom, it's fantastic. Yep. You know, I'm really happy about that. What I loved the most about the books for me is somebody, I do the cooking and shopping and meal planning for the whole family. And for me, I really liked your shortcuts and the reduced cleanup was a big thing for me. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, my husband does the cleanup after I cook. So that's the rule in our house. So I make dinner and then he does the dishes and uh, not to throw anyone under the bus, but let me tell you, there's been a lot of complaining over the years about the number of dishes <laughs> that yeah. are left oh, to yeah. be washed. <laughs> I hear that a lot too. <laughs> So I won't lie. That was part of uh, the thinking too. And I also do know that that's a big hurdle for people, right? Like a lot of people are cooking and doing the dishes, whether they're a single parent or, you know, that's just how they break down the, the responsibilities in their household. And knowing that you're going to have a lot of dishes at the end is enough to turn you off of dinner. And I, I want people to cook, right? That's my goal. So anything that can make cooking feel more accessible is what I'm there for. And a lot of times having fewer dishes is one of them. Do you have any favorite recipes from the book? Mm. Um, I have a lot of favorite recipes. I will tell you tonight, I am making the cover recipe, which is the fish dick tacos. Nice. We're going to be yeah, rushing home, not a lot of time to cook. And I ordered some fish sticks. I already have the tortillas. I've got a cabbage and basically all we need. And that's a good one. That's, a, that's one I've used and I really like it as well. That's, that's a thank you. Um, I want to um, thank you for being on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed getting a chance to talk to you. I want to urge people to um, look up. Uh, we have a link to Bare Minimum Dinners on the bio. And I want to really urge people to get that. And I want to also urge people to look at the um, look at the real simple um, newest episode uh, out, which is the Christmas edition. Uh, check that out. You're going to really love it. Jenna, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Okay. We'll wrap there. Thank you for doing this today. I really enjoyed yeah. getting a chance to talk to you. It was really fun. And I've been listening to your other episodes. It's been really great. So you, I'm so impressed by all your episodes and all the people you've interviewed. And I think I told you, like, I'm obsessed with libraries. So I think that this is amazing.
That was my conversation with food author Jenna Helwig, whose book Bare Minimum Dinners came out in 2021. We're going to have a link to purchase that in the bio to check that out. On Monday, we're going to be talking with Janae Marientate, whose book Tea Magic is out currently. You can check out that conversation on Monday. I hope you're all having a wonderful new year and getting a chance to cook some really wonderful new recipes. Until Monday, keep on cooking.